Hello and welcome to the Investability Podcast. I am John Human and I'm joined again by Michael Taylor of ShiftingChairs.com. How are you doing, Michael? Pretty good, thanks, John. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad under the circumstances uh, of what looks like a crumbling economy, uh, <laughs> political nightmare. Uh, where do you want to start? Well, it's not looking too clever, is it? Not really. Well, um, we've got a new prime minister, at least. Yeah, that's, in that's, Liz We Trust. In Liz We Trust. That should sort everything out. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. Yeah, not too confident, but um, let's see. Let's give her the benefit of the doubt see what she does. Um, she can't be much worse, I would say, but you never know. No, no, you don't. You know, her, her injury is just horrendous, <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, to get through it, you know, she, she's not just going to have to be a competent prime minister, but a great prime minister to to actually deal with it. And, you know, that's that's where my confidence is a little bit uh, lacking, shall we say. I wouldn't want to touch that intro, that's for certain. No, no, there is there is a lot to sort out, not not least the uh, the energy crisis, which um, I mean, it's basically all anyone is talking about anywhere at the moment. Mm -hmm. You know, go down the pub and the landlords are obviously terrified that uh that they're going to be essentially put out of business by incredible increases in uh in their electricity and energy bills it's insane the uh the, the pressure that they're facing yeah well what, what were you saying just then uh 20 pounds a pint or something there is uh there is a bit of analysis that i saw somewhere that was suggesting that for pubs to actually be able to to break even with the forecasts that are that are in place that they'll have to start selling pints for 15 or 20 pounds otherwise the businesses are not viable that's come from uh camera campaign for real ale i mean i like a beer but i'm not paying 15 quid for it yeah that's uh seems a bit heavy doesn't it um it, it does quite quite expensive but yeah i mean I, I can understand why they're terrified because you know they can raise the price of beer but if people aren't getting wage increases to follow that then beer is actually getting more expensive and business is going to be harder. I mean, it's basic economics, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I guess the only hope that we have, um, which we heard about when both Rishi Sunak and the eventual winner, Liz Truss, were interviewed by Laura Kunzberg over the weekend. I would advise anyone who hasn't seen that programme to watch it because it was absolutely hilarious. I've uh, not seen it, so... The comedian Joe Lysett was on the panel and uh, let, let's just say he eviscerated politics and political journal journalism in the single stroke. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah... You know there are measures, there are packages uh, of measures to counter the uh, the energy crisis that are apparently being put together by government. Lots of work is is happening. Um, not really sure what to expect. Well, it's already started, hasn't it? I think Germany has uh, announced a bailout because uh, was it Uni Unifar went mm, bust mm. the other week. Well, which was expected. I think Sweden and Finland have also put something together. Um, the EU is talking about bringing in some emergency legislation. So I think we might get even more money, helicopter yeah. money. Who knows? Yeah, I, I don't um, really, I've heard a bit figure of 100 billion bandied about for the UK to, uh, to basically for um, the government to be able to put an energy price freeze in place. Mm -hmm. um, but then, of course, you know, so, so consumers, businesses wouldn't face these enormous bills. But there is, a, there is still risk there because, you know, essentially means that energy companies... Uh, and uh, or the government are on the on the hook for essentially unlimited unlimited mm. price rises. You know, yeah, it's, it's, it's extraordinarily expensive, bigger than furlough. That's not a place I would want to be with unlimited losses. No, no, but I mean, you know, we are, we are at a point where I mean, government borrowing is 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 
you know, through the roof um, in Western economies. And, you know, what's another 100 million? <laughs> well, is, is it a problem? I mean, if you borrow 100 billion, it's not really anyone's problem until someone cares. I mean, when Greece had those problems back in 2014, was it? You know, th those, mm. those issues were always there. It was just suddenly people cared. Um, and that's the difference. If no one cares, it's not a problem. But then as soon as people care, it is a problem. I had a really interesting story about, about Greece um, and uh, its entry into the EU and, and essentially how its, its national accounts were, were fig, uh, fiddled uh, to allow it. To, well, basically, they were. They were fiddled to, to allow it to ascend to the EU to meet its financial, you know, its economic criteria. And so one of the things they did, apparently, was to include its black market economy in its GDP figures. <laughs> and, and, you know, on that basis, it, you know, it met, because its black market is so huge, uh, mm. the criteria. But of course, the problem with the black market economy is you don't get any tax out of it. Yeah, it's a bit of a, a downside, isn't it? Yeah. It, it, <laughs> and plus, it. when when you're not taxing it or anything, you can just pick a random number, and who can really tell you it's not that? Mm. I mean, but I mean, either way, we, we it, it is a mess. It's an absolute mess. Um, you know, and and of course, everyone is quick to point the finger at the uh, the conflict in Ukraine. But a lot of these pressures were building beforehand, anyway. Yeah, um, and this is this is the thing that I'm I'm struck with that we seem to have forgotten that we we had problems in the power market long before the invasion began. Yeah, Putin's a, an easy scapegoat, isn't he? But the the real fault is with politicians who basically screwed the energy market, switched. I mean, even Germany now today. I think about half an hour if they've agreed to extend some of the nuclear plants you know why why would they not extend it or even build more um they've got these huge energy problems rationing now in public places of energy uh you know this is the the 21st century and we've got energy rationing in one of the world's most advanced economies and yet it's taken till today to actually extend a source of green energy that they actually have you know why is that it's 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 insane uh, but yeah this is uh nobody ever said the market was efficient well I said, uh, they did but i didn't i never said the market was efficient so no, you you have consistently said the market is not efficient yeah but, i mean this this is just a, an example of idiocy in my opinion i can't really see apart from political games why that would not be you know extended it, it nuclear has always been a scapegoat with the, the three heads and things and people talking about things that they don't understand but actually if we want to get through this transition of off dirty energy onto renewables then we need nuclear and, and people are finally starting to realize that now mm, yeah, absolutely well I, I live and I'm, I'm sure i've said on this podcast before not too far from the site of uh of one of the uk's few nuclear power stations si as well mm. uh, boris was up here uh last week i think uh, essentially committing government funding to to that project yeah it's uh, which is where he made his his unfortunate kettle, <laughs> uh, analogy um which um i mean it, it has been taken out of context that clip but you know i mean seriously yeah what's funny is that no doubt that speech has, has gone through like several rounds of people and, and every one of them had said oh yeah this is fine to use in the current context where people are struggling <laughs> to pay their energy bills like <laughs> You know who thought that 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 uh, quote was a good idea? You know it should have been taken out the script. I mean, Wait. yeah, I get the point of payback, but, but using a kettle is is plain silly.
It is plain silly. And, you know, that that nuclear power, I mean, it's not as simple as it's But building a nuclear power station is not quite as simple as going down to Argos and buying a new kettle either. No. So, um, and I mean, this this power station in Sizewell, Sizewell C, it's um, it's problematic. There's a lot of local opposition for it. Not not necessarily because people don't want nuclear power on their doorstep because we've had it for years. Um, mm. But because actually the disruption that that will be caused in the construction is right. absolutely enormous and you know it's it's a really sort of remote rural coast uh you know we don't even have a motorway in suffolk have you got delivery no oh god no it's not a night <laughs> i've heard it described as someone described it as uh, someone who'd lived in suffolk their whole life as a third world county <laughs> um and it, you know it does it sort of does have that feel to it um you know you have massive deprivation here that is besides the point to build a nuclear power station in suffolk is really really hard you know mm. a, a county with no motorway get you know it's a lot of concrete a lot of bits a lot of people that need to be there to actually build this thing really not easy which is why these projects have taken so long to even get off the ground okay yeah i guess that makes sense um yeah, there's always people who don't want it. They want it, but not where they are. Yeah, the old nimbies. Yeah, abs absolutely. But but I say you know it's it's not nimbyism without without some justification. Yeah, some justification is not. Um, well, actually, the other the other real big problem with with nuclear, particularly here in Suffolk, is is that um, it's very water intensive. So to mm -hmm. actually to actually build this power station is going to require a lot of water. To, to then actually operate it will require a lot of water and you, it's by the sea so you can argue you know build a desalination plant and and bob's your uncle but that is something that apparently the um the, the developers edf um didn't want to commit to so they've oh. got to find they've got to find the water to actually make this thing work in the driest county in england where <laughs> where they've had the, where this year they've been having to water um crops potato crops to actually be able to dig them out the ground I was speaking to a farmer this morning. They're having to water stubble so that they can actually plow the crops ready for ready for the next sowing of wheat. It's a serious thing. And, you know, I, I said to uh, I said to this farmer, yeah, but haven't we been in this situation before? Haven't we had these periods of extreme heat before? And, you know, he said nothing ever like this. You know, they, and these are generational farming families. Yeah. OK, that's quite interesting. Yeah, I, I was assuming that it was, uh, you know, that they'd had heat waves like this before, but obviously not. Yeah, no, no, they haven't. Not, not as far as the farming community is concerned. Anyway, but so mm. I digress again. The problem here with nuclear is is water as much mm. as anything else. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it, it makes it. But if you've got reactors, as Germany does, then that you shut down prematurely, then it does make sense to to reopen them. Yeah, or at um, least keep them open and not shut them down. <laughs> well, indeed. But but France has had problems this this summer with uh, with its reactors because again the rivers have been so low that they used to cool um the reactors there that, that they've, they've actually had to shut some of those down so it's you know, not without its its problems particularly in a in, in an environment where, where you know is this is this permanent climate change? are these the signs of permanent climate change who knows who knows but but they are risks it's not it's not for us to speculate on the climate change and that would open a, another bag of worms which uh potentially don't want to but it's not it's not really great is it no, no, it, it it is a political it is a political problem. It's one that goes back many years. I mean, I you know I don't want to speculate. Well, I'm going to speculate. The reason some of these decisions, these big political decisions, get made, is not always as transparent as it could be. 
And I think we've spoken about Gerhard Schroeder before, haven't we? Uh, is he the dude with connections to Russia and lost the keys to Hamburg? That might it, be the know, one. Han- Hanover, yeah. And the last person to lose the keys before him was Hitler. Yeah, that That's might the one, be the, that yeah. might be the chance. <laughs> so, so you do have to look back, I think, at, at some decisions with a, with a, you know they're head scratching. They're really hand scratching. Mm. Anyway, so the, none of this is very helpful from an investment perspective. <laughs> no, I guess not. Yeah. Um, Apart from to yellow assume cake. that yeah. uh, things aren't efficient. No, but yellow cake. So this is one that we've spoken about before. Uh, and it's one that you uh, you had an interest in. Still do. Yeah, still, still do. bullish on yellow cake. Yeah. Has, I mean, has, it's the cleanest way to play uranium because it's basically the spot price. Um, so it agrees up front with Kazatom Prom. So no one can front run the market. It says, okay, we'll buy X amount at this price. Um, it'll be agreed. Uh, Yellow Cake will go raise the money, assuming it's at a premium. They won't do it if it's at a discount. Um, and then they'll buy it. So they did that last October. They raised it a premium, um, bought, and then actually bought back shares at a discount. So, yeah, you've got that... that um, management discretion to sort of juice earnings but yeah it's it's not a producer it literally just buys it stores it in canada and france so very safe mm. jurisdictions um almost like a trying to corner the uranium market but i think there's a there's well there is a much bigger one called sprot uh sprot physical uranium trust sput in canada which pretty much is doing that buying up supply and, and taking it out of the market um but yeah I, I think uranium is is having a bit of a renaissance it's going to continue mm, i'm just looking at the chart I and mean, it's trebled since the uh pandemic lows i mean it's uh it's been a fantastic mm. performer and it's up uh 40 over a year um 27 over the last six months i mean this is this is this is a, a a trend bucker if ever there was one yeah but it is also quite volatile though so it did trade nearly 30 percent discount to nav and it, it got to around 300 pence uh i think it's now about 420 bid or something like that so it, it is volatile um you do have to be sort of comfortable with that volatility risk but essentially if you're buying into yellow cake you you're playing the uranium trade probably the cleanest cleanest way you could because there's no production risk or anything what's your what's your strategy then are you just buying and holding on this one uh, yes, yeah, so I've got a buy and hold position, and then I've also got, uh, you know, for example, if there's a piece of news that comes out in the uranium market that's, you know, breaking, if I can get onto yellow cake quite quickly, I'll buy more and sell it into the rally. Um, so I, I do discretionary trading like that as well as buy and hold. Why would you do both? Why not just buy, hold, and, and leave it at that? Uh, because I've got a, one account, I've got a buy and hold, which is like the long term view. Mm, mm. And then if a piece of news comes out and I can make a trade in, you know, half an hour, then I'll do that as well. So you, so, you, so then, you're, so you're essentially buying into a rally. It will sell off pr- presumably because that rally is a temporary spike. Uh, well, it, I mean, it might not be a temporary spike, but I'm looking to capture a, a quick gain as I would on any other trade. Yeah. But yeah, I'm just, I just wondering where you have... got the the buying hold. So it basically you have to think of it as like two separate positions, because what you don't want to do is buy into the same stock because there's some news out and you think it's going to rally, so you're going to sell it. 
But then you think, oh, actually, you know, I'm holding this already, so I'm going to move this short-term trade into the buy and hold basket. You know, you shouldn't do that. You've got to have separate, um, you know, you've got to stick to the strategy on both baskets. Mm-hmm. So the hold is the buy and hold. And sometimes I might even take a loss on, on a scalp long. You know, it might go the wrong way. I didn't predict it. And I'll just sell it for a loss. But yeah, I've still yeah. got the buy and hold there for which is, you know, the long-term view. Um, and that, that's something I struggled with sort of early on in my trading career because sometimes I would – well, it's the old short-term trade, long-term investment, right? So, yeah, I've done that a few times. But you, you've got to be strict on what you were doing. But, yeah, if there's if there's a piece of news that comes out, um, then, then I'll potentially buy more and look to sell for a quick profit. Mm. Interesting. Combining trading and investing, as we uh, as we yeah, well, it's, trend, as it's, it's never an investment for me. It's like a trend trade, um, a long, a long, a long trade, a long trade, long, yeah. long term trade. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think you're just rebranding investing there. <laughs> uh, well, investing, if you know, if the price falls, then you would, in theory, want to buy more because it's at an even better price. Whereas, because for me it's a long-term trade, if it breaks that that trend, or the the reason to hold changes, you know, I'm I'm out. But that's, just the, same. But that's the same with investing. But that is the same. Well, that that partly is the same. But let's say the trend is going up, and I now think that I don't want to be long anymore. You know, I'll, I'll close it. Or I'll take some off the table, but I will never, I will never average down. Yeah. which is something that investors would do. Like I will never ever do that. Yeah, I'm not unless convinced. I've got a very good reason to, and I'm aware of the risk that I'm taking on that. I think averaging down is always a dangerous game. It's yeah. often often been a dangerous game. Well, it's, I mean that's it. If you if you you're when you average down, you know you only need one stock to really uh, blow up because you can just keep averaging down until it goes to zero, which mm. does happen, um, unfortunately. Well, I think it tends to happen. I think it tends to happen. You know, this this approach, this averaging down approach. It's, I've often seen it with, let's call them, you know, flake flakier investments. It's where it's where there is a sort of there, there is a you know a, a a bias at work. People have sort of fallen in love with with the mm. story, and you know, nothing will shake the belief. Therefore, averaging down is the way to go. And I've seen seen I've as you say, I've seen it blow up a lot of times. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. If you look at Boohoo now, I mean, people were saying that was cheap when it was three times the price. And what, what's it now? 40p? I haven't looked at it for a while. Is it 40p? Is it I that th- I think it might be 40p or something here. Yeah. Um, I'll have a quick look. Boohoo. 43 pence. Mm. Yeah. And at the start of the year, it was 120. So you're down nearly 66% year to date. Um, so that means it's got to go up nearly 200% just to get back to break even. I mean, that, that is just tough numbers. That is really tough. Do you, I mean, Boohoo now would have to add a billion in market cap just to get back to where it was. Um, and that's just, obviously that's assuming no dilution and shares and issues stays the same. But yeah, I mean, that people probably are averaging down on that, but this has fallen from. In July 2021, it was 340, and now it's 40. 
So averaging down to me is just dangerous. Yeah, I, I, I would tend to agree. There's another thing that I keep hearing people talk about. You know, these markets are tough. We're in a we're in a really horrible, horrible market in in the main. You know, there are pockets of uh, of of growth, um, but but in on the whole, these are these are really really crappy markets. And you know, we saw uh, a bit of a rally from mid June. Um, that's really reversed. You know, the Jackson Hole speech has uh, has kind of has really put pay to the idea that, that the Fed is likely to pivot. So we're sort of back in in a in the downtrend. Um, but I keep hearing this idea of scaling in, scaling in. <laughs> you know, if, oh, I've, I found a company I like. I can't call the bottom. It's falling. But if I, I buy a bit now and a bit more and a bit more and a bit more as it continues to fall, so you know, almost like making that investment in bits um yeah and and i kind of just think isn't isn't that the same sort of approach isn't this averaging down why don't you just wait till it's cheap and buy more of it well that that is averaging down now i'm probably going to annoy a lot of people now but scaling in is for for people who think they're fund managers you know the 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 black rocks and the people who actually need that liquidity to buy yeah on the way down in the volume but, in the volume in the quantity that they need to buy it exactly i mean fair enough if this is like a 50 million market cap or something and you genuinely need the liquidity then i get it but if you're scaling in on something that's like a billion or 500 million you know where where it's very easily uh very easy to buy like large amounts of stock then why what's the point um because that you know even if it rallies 50 percent off the low at least you've got some sort of confirmation of a trend whereas now you were just gambling that you print in the bottom every time yeah but i mean that's the other thing it's, it's interesting you say that you know you know there's no bell that rings when when the market hits the bottom no there's well, not. That, that's true um mm -hmm. so, so don't bother trying to time your your entry don't bother trying to time calling the bottom because you won't be able to do it which i think is true but but as you've just said and i think this is the right way to wait till wait till you can see that recovery is actually real mm. And it doesn't seem very, you know, what the, the signs of recovery we have seen have, <clears throat> as we've discussed before, they've seemed very tentative and hopeful. Yeah, so far. And also the assumption there is that I actually want to buy the bottom when people are telling me you'll never buy the bottom. I, I don't want to buy the bottom because I know I can't do it. So mm. I, I would mm. much rather wait um, for a stock to, to at least rally 50 to 100% and be very sure that it had bottomed and that the trend is is likely going my way before I buy because I think, I think so. I mean, you 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 might even still get a better price than if you scaled in at like let's say you scaled in at 200, 150, 100, Then it went to fifty, and then you scaled in more. But maybe you just waited till it got to a hundred and bought all your amount, and you'd actually have a better average and more likely to be right. You wouldn't have the stress of oh the stock's falling. Where's the bottom? Because we've seen lots of stocks. I mean, Boohoo, for example, there, they can just keep falling. Yeah, I guess, I mean, you know, going back to the idea of like, you know, the, the hard numbers of it all, you know, mm -hmm. something that's fallen 99% can fall another 99%. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes people forget that. Yeah, it's like, how low could it go? Like, whenever I see someone ask that on Twitter, like, how low can it go? I, I just put zero. Zero. <laughs> because that is the lowest it can go. I mean, it might not, and you know, I'm obviously hoping that it doesn't for them, but the reality is that is the lowest it can go. 
Yeah, I mean, the A market is where you'd expect to see that sort of wipeout occur mm. more, more than anywhere else. You know, you know some of the sort of uh, NASDAQ juniors um, might, might exhibit the same sort of characteristics. But, you know, we've, there are a lot of big fallers on, on AIM uh, so far. I think mm. the whole index is down about 34% from its peak. Um, I mean, it's, it's getting savage, but it, but it could go further. Could go a lot further. I mean, there's a lot of rubbish companies on AIM. So much garbage, so many hopes and dreams, and the stats prove it. You know, most stocks on AIM actually decrease in value. So it's almost like if you shorted every single IPO and put a 20% stop loss in, you would make money. That would be a very profitable strategy. The issue is you, you can't get borrow on a lot of these things, and a lot of them are so small, it's hard to get any size. And you also don't want to get size because... They're so small. Um, you know, one of them could put out an RNS. The market makers don't have much stock. People get excited. Next thing you know, it's two hundred percent, and you're in the hole. And and for me, I, that I'm not I'm not comfortable with that. I mean, there's some shorters who are quite happily sit in the hole for for long periods of time because they know they're right. But it's like, how long can they be wrong for? Yeah, I looked at. Um... IPOs recently, I wanted to see uh, some performance stats. So I, I went back to the start of 2021 and had a look at um, all of the companies that have floated since then. And there were 163 flotations um, in, that, in that time. Yeah. Um, and what, what has happened um, is that there's been a massive slowdown in, um, in activity. So 39 uh, companies have actually come to market in 2022 so far it was 79 in the same period last year so mm. a big big slowdown um 163 companies have floated since the start of 2021 only 37 of those have seen their share, shares rise since and the ones that have risen have done very well uh on average up 93 percent 122 of 163 companies have seen their share price fall since flotation and the average performance of the fallers is minus 47 <laughs> percent Wow, <laughs> that's brutal. It's brutal. Yeah, and there, there is the ninety percent club, isn't there? So you got Parsley Box, Seraphine. Um, there's a couple of others as well that have fallen at least ninety percent from yeah. the high. I mean, it's, is THG in that one now? It might be. I think it might have floated a bit bit earlier than that, actually. Ah, uh, yeah, it was in 2020, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah so. so that's not on this list. But yeah, that is, wasn't exactly a, a stellar performer either. I mean, no. Horrendous. Um, IPOs, you're, you're right. I think they, they, I don't understand why, you, why you'd why you want to back him a lot of the time. Well, Warren Buffett doesn't, does he? He, uh, I think he waits for 10 years or something. So it's got a good track record. But yeah, a lot of these IPOs, you can... Uh, oh, ProCook, that was the other one. Yeah, I shot at that one. I tried to find a ProCook. I was in Norwich. Uh, okay. I needed some knives, and uh, <laughs> and so I, I kind of you know what it's really hard to buy cooking knives uh, <laughs> when you're on the high street. And you just go on Amazon. Well, exactly. Well, I was in Norwich, so uh, yeah, well, while I'm here, I'll try and buy them. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't, couldn't find any, and and so I thought, oh, no, Pro Cook, they do uh, reasonably priced kitchenware, <laughs> uh, and there was one. It was on the map. It's all oh, excellent, but, but no, it disappeared. Yeah. Wasn't that? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, does, I mean, it seems like a, a business that is going backwards rapidly yeah i mean they, they sold i mean there wasn't even any fresh capital raised it was just a cash out <laughs> um, yeah well a lot yeah. of them a lot of them were like that one i looked at for uh, for investability was victorian plumbing um, yeah that one that's another of the 90 percent club as well i think 
yeah it, it, i mean it's been it's been a shocker but yeah when i looked at it um it basically floated and as you say no fresh capital was raised uh, to fund the business it was entirely a payday for the uh, for the founders yeah i mean they, i bet they couldn't have believed the look right because um they're selling they're selling this business into market hype cashing out and then you know when the market sells off like 50 percent, they could buy it back and keep the yeah. change yeah i, I mean it, it really it, there's loads of lessons to, to learn mm -hmm. from this i really do you know not enough scrutiny is paid to ipos uh, yeah. that investors do pile into it's um it's it's really tricky and you know th there is an idea that i sort of buy into that, that retail investors should have access to the same types of investment as professional investors you know if there's an ipo why should retail investors be excluded from mm. from that fundraising but actually, looking at this evidence, there's there's very good reason why people yeah. didn't get involved because most of them are crap. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember getting shown parsley box, and I remember thinking like, this is surely a short, and then I just didn't short it. Um, mm. But yeah, like a lot of these companies, it's you almost think because you look at the register of of people who are buying it, and you think, oh, they, you know, this is actual clever people in suits and offices and. You know with fancy bloomberg terminals like surely they must know what they're doing but a lot of the time they i guess they just don't they just write tickets and don't really know what they're buying which is well reality because you know i'm not a sophisticated individual and i looked at parsley box and i thought how is this going to succeed at this valuation how how is this not a cash out Mm, no, um, absolutely. I, I mean, and I think the same is almost certainly true uh, of a lot of companies that have floated in the US. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, there is no path to profitability that's very immediately clear to me in a lot of cases. Um, yeah. And certainly with a lot of the uh, the ones we've, we've looked at in this 90% club, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a litany of disaster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So next time you're off to an IPO, definitely go through the prospectus, look at the capital structure. Because uh, there was one that listed the other day that had a bunch of convertible loan notes, and you know, usually when you see those, you've got to be careful because because some of them will fund with. Um, I'm not saying this company did, but there are companies that will raise money with a convertible loan note that's redeemable at a 90% discount to VWAP, yeah. which basically yeah. is a death spiral because they will just keep selling and profit, and it doesn't matter what the price is, they're making the money because they're selling you know at a, at a profit yeah it's uh it's 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 strange and uh yeah i mean it's i i do think there needs to be more scrutiny when stuff comes to the market it's very, very often stuff isn't covered there's no analysts covering it there's no coverage there are no numbers yeah. in the market but even then the the analyst is is paid to write by i guess well yeah yeah, you never you never see an analyst saying sell <laughs> you do but not not an ipo i mean yeah. I, remember, I remember years ago i think it was i think it was when orange floated over in europe not in the uk and i think that, right i think that, yeah every, basically they paid every broker out there to, to mm. write a note on it <laughs> every single one so there wasn't anyone left to write a sell note on it yeah um <laughs> that's quite and, you know, clever <laughs> indeed and, and and basically if you're if you're you know if you're an analyst your job is dependent upon essentially you know trade generating traded commissions it was in the old mm -hmm. days and, and probably to a large extent still is and uh, and getting the corporate business getting the corporate mandates i don't care what people say about the chinese balls i don't believe them yeah um, i don't believe them yeah and so yeah why does it why is anyone going to want to write a sell and if you if you're really other you know the most hardcore analyst out there and you just do not give a <laughs> give a monkeys 
Um, well, you, you need access to management to write these things as well. Mm. Yeah, you need to be able to, to to probe and ask all the the difficult questions. And and actually, if if they if they get an inkling that you're going to write a cell note, they're not going to talk to you. Yeah, that's it. You've almost got to be a bit of a mouthpiece if you want <laughs> continued access. Yeah. Indeed, it's, it's... There was a dude like that on uh, or it might have been a, a, a woman or it might have been another gender. I can't remember. But they did actually put uh, a zero on Wirecard in Germany. Really? So, so there was like a long list of, of buys at like, you know, a few hundred euros or whatever the price was. And then there was someone else with a, with a zero. <laughs> Amazing. Um, Amazing. Yeah. It's, it's quite impressive. I mean, they were right eventually. I don't know how, how many years it took them to be right. You know, when the FT wrote it up, it was still, I think Germany even considered suing the FT, didn't they, at one point? It did, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it did. It did. <laughs> Which is insane. Well, free, who, who needs a free press? Eh? Who needs to ask mm. probing questions? Who needs scrutiny? <laughs> Not the uh, the Western uh, capitalist world, it seems. I've, I've actually written up um, a piece. It was ages ago. Uh, on Victorian plumbing for investability and it it was really it was less about Victorian plumbing and more about what it told us about the IPO process and and the kind of, as you say the kind of things you should be looking out for yeah questions you should be asking I'll stick that on the pod notes and uh and uh yeah we're gonna have a read now we can have a listen um I, I I was really worried about the market as much as anything you know market saturation I think we spoke about it at the time because there was a there's Victoria Plum and Victorian Plumbing, and you know, it's just, it's just which, hang on a minute, which one, which one am I buying this bathroom off? <laughs> yeah, uh, and there had been some kind of dis trademark dispute as well. I mean, it's just, it just stank from day one. But there you go. Um, yeah, that's no good. No, I mean, just looking at, at the list of you know badly performing IPOs, badly performing shares in general this year. I mean, you know, it's it's consumer stocks getting absolutely yeah. brutalized. But again, that's you know we were talking about this in January when the market was was rallying on the podcast. We were saying these these sectors are, are going to get hammered, and uh, well, you, you're sophisticated, I'm not, but you know we we could sort of see that this was going to happen, and you know some of I put on some shorts based on that, and and you know the idea that the private investor can't doesn't really have an edge is wrong. They absolutely do. They just need to do the work and. You know, actually look at some, you know, most people don't read annual reports. That's a fact. Um, you know, there was a stat posted. Um, it was one, one big US company and they actually measured how many people actually downloaded the annual report. And it was like 10 or something like that, even though it's covered by so many analysts. Mm, and, mm. you know, if you just read it, then already you know more than, than a lot of other people. Therefore, you're in a position to make a much better informed decision and if if that's not an edge I, I don't know what is no no i mean the thing is you can lead a horse to water you can't make you can drink. you can yeah but, but um, um yeah. but no, I mean, you know I, I also think as well i mean yeah certainly if you, you're looking at sort of retail stocks can you know anything anything consumery i mean it's a little bit harder online but you can go on a website you can have a look at you can have a look at you know is the site any good what mm. sort of levels of discounting can you see? Um, yeah, you know, if a company has shops, you know, are they busy? I mean, <laughs> you can even measure it online now. You can measure online traffic. You can pay. Uh, you know, the free ones are not terribly accurate, but I think you can you can pay to some. It's like a few hundred or something, and actually see the the um, the number of visitors mm. Mm. to a website. 
And obviously, if that's suddenly now in reverse, it sort of tells you that either people are now buying a lot more from the shops and not online, or sales are going down. Yeah, I mean, I think I think anything you can do to get this information edge is is good. Um, mm-hmm. But again, do, do people you know take the time to to do that? Um, you know, I've often found that that actually a lot of the sort of research people do uh, into you know, it's come deep research that I've certainly I've seen, uh, and I won't name any companies in particular um, mm. that, that I've seen on on uh, FinTwit. Um, it's it's people seeking out confirmation of something that supports the investment case. Yeah, when the reality is, you should be finding the opposite. To what's going it. What's going wrong? Is anything mm. Is anything going wrong? You know, kicking the tires. I think kick the tires all the time. You know, funny enough, just going back to consumer stocks, and I, I, I mean, this struck me as 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 crazy you know we are facing this this massive energy um uh, bill nightmare um so mm. i went into norwich had to get kids are off to university so we had to go and buy them a few uh university bits and bobs um yeah it was well, like really... beer and vodka or no they could buy that themselves but yeah. <laughs> I, hopefully uh at 20 pounds a pint they won't be buying too yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but um but you know there's a there's a there's a car park there for the bigger bigger shopping center and the queue for it must have been about 200 cars long for 12 available spaces i thought consumer <laughs> confidence had evaporated I thought, you know what 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 is everyone doing why is everyone still out shopping this doesn't make any sense mm. I, and i yeah it's just it's, there is something not quite right going on here but actually i think norwich is is i, I recall that shopping center now and it is it's in the middle of the city isn't it it's quite difficult to get to and there isn't actually that many spaces no rightly no no but there were there were other spaces at the bottom end of town in a a largely empty car park that Mm. was five minutes walk away but you know (laughs) perhaps perhaps people don't like walking no but i was more baffled by by just the the amount of people still out shopping um you know at at this that this juncture when when, you know when everything is going to hell in a hang handcart as we are Mm. told and you know that does show up in the surveys and consumer confidence surveys, and you know what is driving. How are people still spending money? I think I think people just tend to discount the future, don't they? It's sort of it's hard to think of what will happen in the future, and everyone's focused on now. And yeah, I, I guess um, or maybe they're just rich and they can afford it. Who knows? Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I do wonder how many people just go shopping because that's that's the the thing to do. That's that's the leisure activity. Yeah, well, I, I don't know why, because I absolutely cannot stand it. <laughs> no, it was horrendous. Um, I, what I didn't do, which I should have done, is count bags. <laughs> How many people are bags, yeah. buying stuff? I'll, I'll see what shop they're all going into. That would but, have been some uh, hardcore research. Primark. Yeah. <laughs> it's al- always Primark. But but yeah, no, it's just it's just uh, it's crazy. But then you know, we were talking just before we uh, we started recording that you know should there be um, a, a a serious uh, package of relief measures to 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 help consumers and and businesses cope with the energy price crisis do you think we can see the sector rally a bit i think i think we might see a brief rally yeah but is it going to remove a lot of the inflationary headwinds no uh can it make it a little bit better yes um but you know overpriced overrated stocks in this sector are still going to have trouble i think um mm. because yeah it's it's not only just the energy it's it's the demand and if people just don't have as much money which you know they won't it therefore is logical to assume that they will spend less and there'll be less transactions in the economy there'll be 
less discretionary spending you know people are going to cut back um you know we we spoke about jim uh a while ago and annoyingly i got stopped out of that and never, never put it back on and it's fallen a lot since then but yeah their their energy if that's not hedged is is probably going up quite a bit quite and that people are going to be cancelling memberships left right and center i think it has been spanked yeah it has, yeah. Let's <laughs> not make money on that one, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> because I got stopped out and I forgot to get back in, so it's quite annoying. <laughs> Absolutely spanked. Yeah, I know. We got some flack for that one, actually. Did we? Yeah, I got a cheeky message on Twitter from somebody. Because oh, no. when we, Well, the, the, it was actually... The share price rose after we um we did our deep dive on it. Yeah, the deep dive kiss, kiss of death. Kiss of life in that Kiss case, but, life, but, yeah. but no, I mean, there, there it is now. I mean, that is that is a savage, savage sell off. Was it 130 now? About, about one, 137 now. Yeah, we were talking at about 180. Yeah, so I remember thinking if it breaks 180, I'd shot it and I did, and then it rallied to over two quid. Yeah, so that's so Jim Group. Yeah, just looking at our we we talked about that. Oh, I can't remember when we talked about that. The beginning of May, uh, it's down 30 percent since then. So yeah, I mean, it, it could fall low. Who knows? But um, yeah, it's. I mean, it's not easy finding these stocks and you know going through things and making an informed decision. But it, it is possible. It's just not easy. Um, I mean, I'm I'm trying to find out if a company uh, has its energy hedged now because if it's not, it's it's going to get absolutely crucified. Uh, Ten Entertainment Group. Um, but I can't find out if it's hedged or not, because uh, that will be a big help. You know, if it's not, then I imagine something like that will be losing money um, hand over fist if energy prices have, have quintupled or whatever. Like, uh, you know, we've seen a lot of businesses have when they're not hedged. Yeah. And I think, you know, this is then the worry then is that then actually if businesses are, are faced with these enormous um cost increases you know that 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 really scuppers their expansion plans their investment plans you know potentially mm -hmm. means you know uh shutdowns you know we are seeing yeah. shutdowns we're seeing you know i heard it heard it said today that you know some pubs are suggesting that they don't open their kitchens because they're, mm -hmm. they're so energy intensive and uh, you know if this is the case then the strength that we've seen in the jobs market um you know over the course of the last year or so it's just going to evaporate and if yeah. and if, that, if that happens, then you really do have this 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 potential crunch on consumer spending. Yeah, recruiters have been doing well so far, but yeah, how long is that going to last? Because yeah, as as you say, if people are laying off, or you know they're not expanding, or they're even closing, you know, let's say, um, well, Greg's for example, let's say, obviously that's doing really well, but let's say they shut a unit, how many staff is that? You know, ten. 15 staff maybe yeah. i'm not sure i mean when i worked at mcdonald's there was about 30 people but a lot of them were, were zero hours and yeah once i turned 18 and got paid more they hired a load of 16 17 year olds and i got barely any shifts really yeah very sneaky yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> wow yeah but yeah i mean if that shut down you know there, there was 10 10 full-timers a couple of part-timers for, for mcdonald's so and then if they, if they you know if these units shut then they need to find other jobs. Mm. I have to I have to confess I uh, I popped out for a Mackey D's earlier today. And, Is that uh, any good? What did you get? 
a quarter pounder with cheese. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's a solid choice. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was, and it was busy. So it was really busy. You know, I think mm. I think people are not going to give up their McDonald's. I think it's doing all right. Well, it's so cheap, isn't it? You know, people, you, you it's it's just so cheap that it's going to be like the last. People are actually going to trade down. You know, they might not pay eight quid for a Subway sandwich, but they'll pay five, six quid for a McDonald's meal or whatever, or even just get like a, a couple of things from the saver menu. So they're protected in a way, I think, because, you know, it's right at the bottom. And when people are conscious on cost, the lowest cost wins. Yeah, um, absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what has done uh, quite well. So actually, so the old... Uh, portfolios that that we um we set up on investability um which are now essentially paper portfolios so they're not mm. you know they're not they're not real uh money um but the companies that, that have done well this year um are, are the fast food basket so you know we've got um mcdonald's domino's pizza the american parent company. yeah um, yeah the uk one hasn't done well no, that's well. That's because it's in dispute with it. Mm. It had been in in a seemingly perpetual dispute with its franchisees. Yeah. But um, uh, yum, yum brands have done all right. What's the yum uh, brands? Uh, KFC, Pizza ah, okay, right. Uh, Taco Bell. Ah, right. Yeah, which I've n- never had a Taco Bell. Me neither. Um, and the other things that that have done all right are the the discount retailers. So you've got a Dollar General is one we've got in the portfolio over in uh, over in the US. Yeah, um, we don't really have uh, any listed shoes on. Shoes on has done really well. That's done really well. They're buying yeah. back even more shares. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So nice update recently. So uh, mm. and then sort of uh, drinks companies, fast you know pe- uh, soft drinks companies over at PepsiCo's done all right. So so yeah, I mean there is a sort of theme emerging that mm. um, you know actually straight in times we'll we'll see people. We I think we queried the idea whether shoes on would suffer. Because yeah, I did. Yeah, time. and I, I got it wrong. Uh, well, no, 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 I was wrong to, to sell out because I was well, worried about shipping costs. I, th- I think so, but but I think it's the right question to ask um, mm. at, at a time like this. And and I guess you know our theory was well, you know, let's assume that the shipping costs are, are okay and it can handle them. Are, are we going to see this trading down? You know, uh, to to these sort of uh, more value oriented retailers. And I think it's proving. I think it's proven out. It does mm. seem to be happening. Yeah. So yeah, it's sorry. a difficult game, but um, yeah, you can't get them all right. No, you can't. Excellent. So I think we've passed it over quite quite long enough. Um, covered a lot of ground there, and I'm getting really all that talk of Mackey D's and Pepsi. I'm <laughs> really thirsty. Um, yeah. So yeah, uh, thanks again, Michael. Um, oh, thanks, John. Always a pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, thank you all for listening. We're holding fire on the deep dives for the time being because. Um, well, it just seems like because uh, everything will be a short. <laughs> everything's a short. Everything's a short. Well, but, not you know, everything, but we can't really find any longs, and it's just so uncertain, isn't it? I think it's you know it could be we could do a deep dive, and then it's out with date within a week when some legislation changes or something. So we'll yeah. hold fire for now. It's it's savage out there. So uh, yeah, stay safe. Don't do anything silly, and uh, we'll be back again soon. Thank you. Yeah, it's savage out there, so uh, stay safe, stay solvent above all else, and uh, we'll be back soon. Thank you.